1: Over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready.
2: I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley.
1: It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury!
2: You know, enough. Enough of my own New Year's resolutions, Ron Wolfley. I'll keep those to myself.
0: Please do, Paul.
2: This year, I have a bunch of value-added suggestions and resolutions that I'm going to offer to you, Ron Wolfley.
0: I'll reject them.
2: Just think of it as um, like an old school suggestion box, okay? I'm going to stuff that suggestion box with some free advice for you as to how you can improve your life going forward in 2023. We'll see if you're receptive or not. And if you I not, will not be, Paul. If you're not, I brought along some muscle in the form of Cardinals <laughs> starting center, Billy Price, our guest on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Billy, welcome. If Wolf asks you for New Year's resolutions, just ignore him. Okay, we got bigger and better stuff to talk about here tonight. Welcome. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate
0: you, Billy. Thank you for showing up right now. It says here in my notes that you were born in Austintown, Ohio. Buddy, I gotta ask you right now. Where is that, and what was it like growing up there?
3: <laughs> so Austintown, uh, we always tell people it's directly between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Mm. It's a steel city. Uh, so growing up on the west side of Youngstown and Austintown, um, a city of grit. we always talk about a city of grit and people who, <laughs> like people who understand and, and you have to you have to get down and dirty to earn the respect to earn what you have. Um, so it was a great mindset growing up, especially you know having the aspirations to go play Division One college ball eventually one day, um, you know that what le- what led to the aspirations to play in the NFL. Uh, so being in high school, you work for everything you get, you know, and it's very very competitive, especially in Northeast Ohio with football. Um, ended up getting a full ride scholarship to Ohio State, uh, and then being able to continue that that same mindset of grit of to earn what you get, and then which led me into. Uh, being selected by Cincinnati in the first round uh, in
2: 2018 and, and it's been it's been a journey ever since. All right, so I'm going to guess there are two kinds of people in the city of grit. You're either a Steelers fan or you're a Browns fan. <laughs>
3: <laughs> True or false? That's 100% accurate and when I was drafted that was one of the first questions they said hey okay hey being in Ohio being an Ohio guy were you a Cincinnati fan uh, and unfortunately I had to disappoint the entire fan base immediately and say <laughs> no actually I was raised a Pittsburgh fan. Uh, my mm. stepfather was from Pittsburgh, <laughs> Pennsylvania. I was raised on Jerome Bettis, Jerome Bettis, Heinz Ward, uh, Ben Ben Roethlisberger, Heath Miller, all those guys, and to watch to continue to watch the rivalry, and, and obviously it's kind of a little bit lopsidedly not recently as recently with Burrow there now, but just that mindset. It just it, I gravitated towards Pittsburgh, and so um, every Sunday, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. You know, every now and then you catch Pittsburgh Cincy, so it was. Uh, Started the started off on the right foot with the fan base and (laughs) Cincy, but hey, it's it is what it is. It's where I was raised. It's you know the people I was around. So, so Billy, I gotta
0: ask you this right now. You're telling me that Austintown is a suburb of Youngstown,
3: Ohio. Correct, on the west side. Yes, on
0: the (laughs) on the west side, even better, the west side of Youngstown, right there. So, are you familiar with the Zordich family? Very familiar. Oh, you okay? So you know about. Yeah, Mike Michael Jordan, right? Uh-huh. Very, very oh, one of with my those best guys. buddies, dude.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you're also 45 miles from Akron. So here's the next hard-hitting question: LeBron or Michael Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I gotta go. I gotta go. Michael Jordan.
3: Uh, just simply because the, <laughs> the numbers speak what they are. I would say when Braun gets to that level, he's incredible in, in today's era of sports. He is one, He is the goat in today's era. But if you're looking from the history of, of from myself, from some of the other guys in the locker room, I mean, it's hard to deny
2: what Michael Jordan's been able to do. So in high school, you, you were All-State. In fact, you were co-defensive player of the year in the state of Ohio in high school. Uh-huh. So how did you end up an offensive lineman? <laughs> Take us through that. All right. When and where did you make the switch to the dark side? Uh, so I played,
3: uh, played both sides in, in high school. Uh, Just again, you you play both sides, and it's Friday nights, and it's a little bit shorter quarter, so it wasn't as hard. Uh, Got to college, um, first day, Mike Vrabel was a defensive line coach at Ohio State. Uh, It took me about four days of training camp at Ohio State for me to realize if I wanted to continue to play football at this level, I was going to need to change sides. I was very thankful to be recruited to play both sides, and the guy, the offensive line coach who was there at Ohio State's Ed Warner, who recruited me. When he was at notre dame as the offensive line coach and said hey you know an opportunity would love to have you and then he ended up uh under urban meyer's staff at ohio state and then gave me the opportunity i went to coach i mean you're an 18 year old you're a boy you really are a boy i had tears in my eyes i said i I just i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do this you know after you're getting pancaked three four times because it's a it's the freshman in there versus the first team offensive line who was taylor decker who's with the lions andrew norwell who's with uh washington now played with the jags uh uh, Jack Muhort, who spent four years with Indy, and all those guys, and I mean it was it was ridiculous. And Pat Elfline, who is with uh, Carolina right now, wow. So you're against wow. NFL offensive line your yep. first day there, and I said I just I don't know if I can do this. Um, I said I need to change sides and you know go from there. Urban uh, allowed me to do it and said, hey, we're all about it. Got you into the offensive line room with, with Coach Warner, and the rest was history.
0: And, Billy, uh, yeah, you did. You went to Ohio State, of course, and you actually played three seasons at guard, right, before Mm -hmm. they moved you to center.
3: Yeah, we kind of got this little program now uh, for interior guys. You end up up learning the offense playing guard. Um, So, for me, I went left guard for two seasons, right guard for a season, then ended up at center. And Pat Ulfline did the same thing. Uh, He was at left guard, went to right guard, then went to center, and ended up, obviously, he's doing very well for himself in the NFL. So it, it, it allows you to understand and learn the offense from a less hmm. less critical position because you're not snapping the ball. So you're, it's still important. You have the pass game and, and the run game and everything you're doing in there, but it's able to slow your mind down for then when you get to center, you understand the offense as a whole. You understand formations, adjustments, and then you're accountable for snapping the ball. So it was a nice transition into it. Um, it. It's a little Ohio State, Ohio State interior program, as we call it. So haven't seen anybody else <laughs> since do it um say the kid who is in there now he's been playing center since he's been there so it's But
0: man Billy that makes a lot
3: of sense. Yeah. And we were able to do I mean having the size to be able to do it especially at a, at a power 5 D1 level being able to you know handle you know some of your B blocks your deuce blocks and then being able to transition inside and still be athletic enough to go and do those things that center requires you to being able to pull back block on some of these super athletic three techniques that there are um so it was mm-hmm. it was a good transition it was a good grooming process especially to be to be the guy in that offense
2: but think about it and billy price is our guest cardinal starting center you moved to center as a senior and then won the remington award as the best center in college football I, to what degree did that exceed your own expectations
3: um you know i had a really good really 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 good group of guys around me uh and it just it, it's nice but Try to be humble about it, but as yeah. the, as you go, that as, as the team goes, you go. Okay, we were very very good that year. Um, I can't tell you the amount of you know top round draft picks that Ohio State has been able to produce over the last six seven years. So it's as the team goes, you go, and you get that recognition. So for so someone- Billy,
0: there are so many interior offensive linemen that play guard and center. Um, do you have a preference? Do you have a preference in, in the NFL? Would you rather play guard than center?
3: Um, I'd rather play center. I, I think for me, especially this game has slowed down so much for me now. Um, you know, and Rodney and I have this conversation pretty often. Rodney Hudson, uh, the game slows down. You start to see things slower. People mo- start moving slower. And they're still freak athletes. But, you know, you're back blocking on a three technique. You're able to see those adjustments and him move. And I think that that was the best thing for me my f- true rookie year was to play center to get groomed to the speed of the NFL so that you're able to continue to develop and grow in this league and to be successful at it. So I'd I preference to play center.
2: So Rodney Hudson hasn't played since week four. You came in from the Raiders, and it was a couple of weeks, and you took over, and you've been the starting center, I think, since week seven. Are you finally at a point where you're playing and not thinking? And How much of a process was that? What was the degree of difficulty in picking up a new playbook and scheme on the fly? Yeah, I, <laughs> it's difficult. Um, <laughs>
3: Especially when you're relied upon to make a lot of the calls. Make a lot of the calls. So in, in Vegas, the quarterback makes the calls. Um, it's a very, very Patriot like system. So the quarterbacks make the calls. Which and, blew my mind
0: when you said that. Our conversation in Mexico City, Billy, when you were saying that you weren't making the calls in Vegas, that kind of blew my mind.
3: Yeah, I mean, but look at it. Look what Tom does in Tampa. What he just did against us, and it was the same situation. And it's, there you have a growing relationship, and again, centers are able to start to see some of the adjustments, rotations, and some tendencies that you have that relationship with the quarterback. But when the offense and you've got the greatest quarterback of all time, run it. You let him run a show. So it's a situation there. Um, But (laughs) you learn. You try to pick up the playbook in three weeks in Vegas, and then all of a sudden, you know, boom! (laughs) Hey, they want you taking you off a P squad. You want to go over. And you know, picking up the offense, it's a little bit, little, it's a little simpler, uh, which is not a bad thing. It's you know, hey, you, you see the adjustments here, your adjustments here, your can criteria, here your potential calls, go play. And that was the first thing Kook said to me was like, hey, we want you to stop thinking so much. And we want to make this simple. Go play. You're talented enough. You're you're a baller. Go do your thing. Go play fast. And so it's gotten to that point. And in each week in the NFL outside of your divisional opponents there's a different scheme there's a different game plan there you know we want to run the ball these types of plays or protect and have a protection plan for this type of player um in the division it makes it a little because you have consistent tendencies and consistent guys who you see like what seattle we played twice in four weeks five weeks or something like that so Mm -hmm. it's like okay hey boom you remember that kind of stuff um so it's a little bit of a different situation to that but it's i mean it was tough and then on top of it i had a child. (laughs) <laughs> which that makes it even more because again my wife was in dallas texas we were trying to figure it out all of a sudden she came out here we had the kid on friday i played a woman we played minnesota on saturday wow i mean the turnaround to what the mental side of this actually was in the last x amount of week i mean it's been a, it's been a whirlwind of a season i can tell you that
2: well we did not know that so we buried the league congratulations <laughs> on being it. a father to you yeah. and your family appreciate wow. it he it will be nine weeks this friday Oh so it's goodness. been,
3: he, didn't, he hasn't gotten a chance to see a Cardinals game yet, but, um, he's doing well, he's healthy and I'm, I'm super, super happy to be a father. Uh, I think you've been a Cardinal nine games right about now. Speaking of nine, <laughs> how, how is your season gone, Billy? Uh, you have some bumps, um, as expected with that. It's, you know, there's different quarterbacks, there's different cadences, there's things again, as you learn an offense and the little wrinkles, some of these things you get used to in OTAs. And unfortunately I wasn't here for OTAs. Uh. you know there's free agency decisions etc that were made but having that valuable time makes a difference you know some of the cadences that we use some of the motions formations things it it, it would have been very helpful for me to Mm -hmm. get to the point where you know the last three four weeks I've really felt like I've settled down I've really started to play consistent and not you know my mind is not spinning and that makes a huge difference
2: well speaking of quarterbacks Colt McCoy is back and we will see him in Atlanta. And Cliff Kingsbury was asked about Cole McCoy, thirty-six years of age, and what he brings.
3: Yeah, he, he obviously brings the calmness. You know, he has a great feel for what we're trying to do, and the leadership of getting people in the right spot, getting the right calls, checking the right plays. I mean, that—that's a comfort level that we all have when he's out there. And uh, I'd love to get him some, you know, confidence and play really well a couple more times heading into the off season.
2: Anybody who's seen Hard Knocks realizes that he's a coach in the making, if he so chooses, right? What is that like on the field? How does that translate from the huddle to the line of scrimmage?
3: I would definitely agree that there's a calmness to him. Um, He's seen a lot. He's played a lot of ball. And having that calm presence behind you and his ability to seriously get everybody on the same page as well as trust the guys around them to do their part as a professional you know we have protection meetings and i run the protection meetings and it's oh, okay i see that you know if there's any questions it's okay hey what's your thought process behind it okay hey you see it that way cool i know my answers instead of a, oh no we're going to do it this way or we're going to do it that way or it's 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 a collective effort and that's what i think i mean i know you know you got a game ball i believe you got a game ball for the rams game that's a perfect perfect example everybody's collectively working together on what's going on what our game plan is how we're going to attack these guys to pr- protect these guys and that's just colt. I mean if you know him if you see him the way he operates what you've seen on hard knocks that's cold I mean I think he's a father of four, grew up in Texas. I mean it, that is
2: colt. His dad was a high school coach.
3: Yeah, man, and it, and it really is. I do I agree with you guys on the coaching <laughs> aspect because if you you listen to him speak and you listen to oh hey, this is our answer if they do this. This is the anticipation, the answers, the uh, adjustments. It, it's incredible. It's incredible and it's not to, not to age him by no means but I, want, I used to want to go to Texas I wanted to go to play for Mac Brown and whose jersey did I have? Colt McCoy's. <laughs> McCoy's like it's kind of a you know my dad said the same thing when I went out there he goes hey you, you know Colt's out there right <laughs> and he's like do you want me to send you the jersey to get signed I go no please don't do that <laughs> so he's just incredible it's calm but that's Colt McCoy
2: you're like, Dad, eh, you know, Cole will think a starting center is a stalker or something. <laughs> like, come on, you know. You know easy. just easy on just, that
3: one. It's crazy how we used to be. I was like, just wild. But, well, love we, to have him.
2: When we come back, we want you to share what you can of your conversation with J.J. Watt earlier today. And just what an offensive lineman makes of J.J. Watt. And what he's been able to do this year in his Hall of Fame career. We're visiting with Billy Price, our special guest on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We're talking about a guy who was the 21st pick overall in the 2018 draft. He started every game at Ohio State ever since his redshirt freshman year, won a national title. We continue with the Big Red Rage right after this. Second down and ten. Man in motion is Dorch. McSorley under center. Give to Connor, Looking left. Runs off. Tackle left side. 20-10. Races inside the five and into the end zone.
1: James Connor houses it from 22 yards out.
2: That's the Cardinals' run game. Wearing down the defense in the fourth quarter. And it pays off with a first touchdown of the game. And it all started...
0: By putting the quarterback under center with 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, run the ball, tackle zone concept, James Conner houses it.
2: There you go. That was from Christmas night, Sunday Night Football against Tom Brady and company and that Tampa Bay defense. All right, so this is a rare opportunity. Ron Wolfley, Paul Calvisi, you heard us right there. Billy Price, our special guest, the starting center. True or false? You heard me. Surmise the Cardinals wore down that Tampa defense in the fourth quarter. Then you heard Wolf cite the quarterback under center. Were we correct or incorrect, Billy? This is your chance.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, you were definitely correct on that. It was uh, been been pushing for it and finally being able to get the call and get them in the right defense, right look. Bada boom! Here you go, touchdown.
0: So was that, Billy? Was that more of a stretch play, a zone concept? Then you guys have run before. You guys also run double. You run the power without the pull. So that was more of a zone concept,
3: correct? Correct, yes. Uh, something we haven't put a ton of on tape. So, again, being able to hit those guys, and you see a lot of successful teams running the wide zone against Tampa. So getting that look, especially, at, I believe it was uh, ended up being to a strong side because a tight end motioned across um, just the way that they adjusted to it. I would it backside, make sure we cut that off. And it was up to the tight ends to make sure that we got a lane for uh, JC and go hit your head off the goalpost, big guy.
2: Yep. James Counter, 15 carries, 5.3 yards a carry. Um, you know, as you might imagine, Paulie Pencilneck here has never played offensive line, Billy. So I'll ask you this question uh, What do you guys use to gauge and judge your performance? And, and where is yards per carry? Where does that rank? What else do you guys assess? When you grab the box score after a game, what are you looking at?
3: Uh, first and foremost, sacks. First and foremost. Um, and some of the sacks, all sacks are not created equal. Uh, again, it could be a coverage sack. It could be I got beat. Or it could be um, you know somebody was hot and the ball didn't get out. You know situation. So they're all, not all sacks are treated equally. But again, a sack is a sack, and if we can avoid those and get you a nice big zero on there, that's the best. And then secondly, yards per carry. Uh, I think that that's a correlation to how successful one your how successful your run game is. And two, uh, two I put two B to that is how many carries did you end up getting. You know, I think what last week I said, what, what was it, 15, 15 carries? 15 for Connor. 15 carries, you know, obviously offensive line being biased, hey, we want more. We want more, but for 5.3 a carry for on 15, you know, that's a decent night. So, um, you know, we just continue to push for it. You know, we love the duo runs, uh, you know, the, the power without the pullers, getting JC rolling here on the wide zone that we've been we've been pushing for recently, just haven't really got it running the game. And then again, it's, it's smash-mouth football. It's tight zone. It's beat the guy across from you, and, you know, you have to be physical. And, again, gets a defense like Tampa, um, intention to wear them down, and eventually you do wear them down, and all of a sudden there you go, there's a 22-yard run for a touchdown. So just, it's, it all ties in with it, um, but definitely uh, sacks, Boy. yards per carry, and then touches.
0: Boy, Billy, just listening to you talk right there, you know what? all I can think of is Steve Haydn right now. Um, <laughs> what has Steve Haydn brought to this offensive line and the mentality thereof?
3: Uh, it's, Steve was put in a tough spot. Um any there is an in season coaching adjustment, everybody's gotta pick up a little bit. And I think it also has to pick up within the room itself. And I think that's a represent a reflection of the men and the leaders that we have in this room. Again, Rodney Hudson, I mean if he, go give him the gold jacket now. Kelvin Beachum, go give go give that man his honors now how he deserves it. Um Hump, Pew Will's been in there, you know, being consistent, consistently being in there in that room and understanding the offense. And everybody's picked up a little bit. Hey, you know, our film studies increased a little bit, but the attention to detail and understanding how our run fits need to be have increased. Uh, And it's just everybody's just trying to continue to elevate it. And I know one thing for sure: no matter who's in there. You know, if I'm playing guard, if I'm playing center, if Max is playing right guard or Max is playing left guard or Will's in there, no matter who it is, we're just going to continue to keep swinging. And that's the mentality we take into it.
2: Starting center, Billy Price, is our guest here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. So when you're on the bench and you're getting a Gatorade, you're looking at the Jumbotron, you're seeing what J.J. Watt has been doing recently to offensive linemen. You tell us from a first-person perspective, man, what sort of deal has he been lately? He's he's been something. He's been on it in
3: practice too. <laughs> he's incredible. You're glad to have him on 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 your side, even at his age. Um, you know, getting up there, especially you know defensive line. It's a very physical position, and to see still see his production, just absolutely incredible. Um, and what a, what a last home game to go out on. Oh. Unbelievable. Yeah. And again, they have a couple of plays against Tristan Wirfs, all pro right tackle mm-hmm. for, the, for the Bucks. I mean, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal player, and a phenomenal athlete. And still being able to do that and have that high of production, I mean that's that's who JJ Watt is, man. And he just you know, continues to go. <laughs> you know what's amazing about it, Billy? Too just
0: it brings me back seeing a great player like that. Uh, there are great players, of course, that not only go out and impact games on a very tangible level, but they also bring the intangibles to the field mm-hmm. and inspire so many teammates around them they're not even trying to but when you're out there playing with a guy who basically is a living legend <laughs> yeah. a guy that's going to be a hall of famer man that that can fire you up as a player can it
3: absolutely i mean the the energy is infectious It is infectious to be around somebody like that to continue to to elevate your game to continue to try to even match theirs as that. So it's, it's always you try to match the people around you and continue to elevate and continue to insp- to um, just just match the talent and the people around you. Yeah. You don't want to be the guy who's not doing their job on the field. You don't want to be the reason that sack <laughs> gave up or you know the TFL or whatever the case may be.
2: I mean, when Buda finishes a game with what turns out to be a fractured shoulder, I mean, as if he needed any more cred in that locker room. My goodness. I'd say playing safety, and especially Buddha Buddha's more of a box safety. I mean, Buddha can go
3: and cover the deep third, don't get me wrong, but my goodness, as often and as active as he is inside mm-hmm. that box and have a fractured shoulder. I mean, seriously, what else needs to be said about the, about the kid as, as, as a player and who he is, and it's just unbelievable. Those two individuals that are in our locker room, and to be able to be around them. Just their way they operate, the way that they prepare, how they take care of their bodies. I mean, again, I got a little nicked up knee right now, but every single morning, Buda's in there. JJ Watt's out there stretching. So it's just it's one of those situations that again, it, it inspires you to be a better pro. What else can you do to be better?
0: There's no doubt about it. You're watching a Buda Baker go about his business right there. Um, just a pro's pro through and through, and then JJ Watt, of course as many years as he's played and yet he's still going out and he's making plays and he's finishing strong right here. Does it make you think how many years you want to play? How long do you want to play in this league,
3: Billy? We're going to we're going to we're going to hold the, and ride the lightning as long as we can, man. I tell you that. Um that's what's that's what's fun about this league to me, because again, playing playing center, you've there's a lot of there is a lot of thinking to it. There's a lot of reactions. You understand, okay, what kind of personnel we're in, what formation, what's the adjustment, potential can criteria for plays. There's some there's some thinking to it. And that's what makes it fun for me in, in a challenge. Okay, if they're gonna react and hey, weak side safety's coming down, how are we gonna do this differently? Protection. It it just it makes it fun. And mm-hmm. so I I always continue to tell my wife that too. You know, I said, you know, with my son being there and stuff now, you obviously the career might be a little shorter, but we're going to continue to ride this thing out as long as we can.
2: All right, quick answer. Your high school alma mater, what was your nickname for that team? You played for the... Fitch Falcons. Falcons, which is the opponent this week. And here's Cole McCoy on that Atlanta defense. The Falcons are extremely well coached. Dean
1: Pease has been coaching for, forever. When they press you... You know, it's everyone's in the right spots, you know, whether it's fire zone or they're playing man or they're playing trap coverage behind. Like my eyes have to be great this week. Right. They're, they're going to be flying around everywhere, you know, and they know our situation, too. So that we'll probably get more than most teams.
2: So now, are they really going to dare and try and bring bring some exotic blitzes against a guy who's seen everything at thirty six years of age? That's not going to stop Dean Pease, is it?
3: Oh God, no. I, we expect the we expect the house. So you throw yep. you throw the whole house in the kitchen sink at you, um, especially for players who Colt, Colt missed last week. And although he's an experienced veteran, again, the timing of things, the speed of things, and making getting the ball out fast enough, or, or what the adjustment is on a on a can criteria for a run, that's what the, will be the challenge. And that's again, you raise your level. A preparation to make sure that everybody around you is ready to go make sure everybody else hey we're gonna hey, we're gonna go from power to tight zone power to wide zone power to this if, uh, this protection to that protection so um we're gonna make sure colt's okay so when you watch this dean Pease defense on tape right now
0: i mean he is known for running complex packages and complex defenses where he goes to great lengths to disguise his
3: coverage. Have you seen that on tape, Billy? Yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff uh, on tape in their front seven specifically. Again, you've got, and that's this is what the NFL has now turned into. Some of these defensive ends run like linebackers, and these linebackers run like corners. Mm-hmm. So you've got to, and especially too with the number changes as well, you have to track personnel and understand who that personnel is. You know, number three used to be a corner, but hey, that's a linebacker now these days. So you've got to make sure we track personnel, understanding our rules for protection, be cued into that, and keep them upright.
2: So this a guy who grew up in Ohio, was drafted by Cincinnati, played in New York. Uh, how New much York. you enjoying this weather right now? When you look around the rest of the country, and it's like subarctic. Ah, uh, yeah. My wife in Texas just dealt with some like ten degree weather. I was like, oh, it's sixty five out here, baby. Don't. Worry. You have your two dogs here in Arizona. You get, you know, I hope the dogs are appreciated not freezing their keisters this time of year. You
3: know, you better, you better reiterate that to them. Yeah, they're missing a little bit of snow being labs, but I said, hey, we'll, we'll get you some snow when we get back in Texas in February.
2: Well, hey, congratulations. Uh, on everything and the addition to your family in particular. Congrats on that. I appreciate that. All right. I don't, yeah, God bless, Billy. Appreciate hey. you guys. There you go. Billy Price, Cardinal's starting center. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford.
1: Cousins, four-man rush, back to pass. Hand in his face. It's J.J. Watt, and he sacks him inside the 30. That is Hall of Fame JJ Watt hit and sack absolutely mauled by JJ Watt that's like turning around and all of a sudden Jaws is there ready to swallow you up hit by JJ Watt and sack back at the 21. JJ Watt gets home pressure coming and Herbert is sacked at the 40-yard line JJ Watt sacked by the future Hall of Famer, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt making
0: a huge play.
1: Men in the backfield and taken down. And J.J. Watt is there. Boy, he continues to make big plays when the Cardinals need him most. Cousins in the pocket in trouble. Hit. Sacked by J.J. Watt. Oh, my goodness. J.J. Watt, are you kidding me? Stafford back to throw in trouble. And sacked by J.J. Watt at the 20-yard line. The Hall of Famer there again when you need him most.
2: And how many times have we called the name J.J. Watt? Well, especially on Christmas night, right? I mean, at Denver in the first half, first half against the Bucks. full name Justin James Watt. His real middle name could be just first ballot because that's the way it's going to go. <laughs> He's going right into the Hall of Fame as a three-time NFL defensive player of the year, five-time first-team All-Pro. And you know what? He's going out the same way he came in as a Cardinal, right? Via Twitter. His announcement, his news, he broke it. His way. Remember, he was in the squat rack wearing the Cardinals, yeah. the Cardinals shirt, and he said, uh, "Source me." This time, he announces his retirement this week, and he's got two games to go, both as an Arizona Cardinal.
0: Boy, Paulie, it really is. You know, um, I did not think that this was going to be J.J. Watts last year. I did not think that. I know you and I have had some conversations about this, but you know, I, you know, the way I feel on this, man, every. Every great player, I think, every player has truly got to see his own athletic mortality. I don't care if you're playing in the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, whatever it may be. You've got to see your own athletic mortality to truly be able to walk away from the game. Do you have any idea, Paulie, how rare it is that a professional athlete will leave the game that he loves and walk away while he's on top? and still capable of going out and having the kind of games we just saw J.J. Watt have against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Christmas. I mean, you just don't see a lot of guys that walk away from the game when they can still play it at an incredibly high level. And that's exactly what J.J. Watt is doing.
2: I mean, there's really only one or two per generation. The Barry Sanders. Right. The Andrew Lux. I mean, there's just not that many. So, of course, J.J. Watt was asked by the media why he's retiring after this season.
3: It's been an unbelievable ride. And if if you told me back then when I started that I'd be able to play 12 years in the National Football League and live the life that I live, I'd have been extremely thankful. And probably would have told you you're a crazy (laughs) But uh, I'd much rather go out playing good football, knowing that I could still play and knowing that hopefully people remember me playing good football than to go out limping out and being forced out and knowing that I probably should have done it earlier.
2: I tell you, based on the last couple of months, he's a long way from reaching that stage. And he did also cite Wolf the heart scare mid-season where his heart had to be shocked back into rhythm afib he did mention the arrival of his firstborn his son which has been a recent happening how much he enjoys being a dad so i think all these things combined now i hope that a four and eleven campaign hasn't contributed to maybe part of the frustration he's a guy who's all in all the time so he did also cite just The mental stress of being committed as an NFL player, and and that has worn on him as somebody who's been so committed every single day for so long. So I think everything combined, boom, led to this decision.
0: Yeah, I think you're right on that, Paulie. Yet at the same time, man, I mean, it's such a rare mentality. It really is. Um, I I know back when I was playing and I realized, Paul, oh, my goodness, that was ancient. And, yes, you're you're probably right. It was a long, long time ago. But I can tell you, Paul, that the mentality back then was make them rip the jersey off your back. (laughs) Make them you hang on as long as you possibly can. And, you know, that is, that is not the mentality that J.J. Watt is aspiring to here.
2: Well, look, I wouldn't be sitting here if I didn't have a conspiracy theory. So here we go. Thanks for asking. You ready for this? <laughs> oh, no. You can't oh, tell no. me that he doesn't have another game plan out there to be involved in football, maybe behind a microphone. Ooh. He he did some network stuff earlier this year, did he not, in the month of August? And he was very, very good. As you might imagine, he's got a great personality He's blunt. He has the credentials. He's opinionated. Uh, he's fun. I mean, all the above. So maybe, just maybe, his business agent has something lined up uh, and he's going to be in front of a camera somewhere effective next season. We'll find out. All we know is earlier today, we had a chance to talk with DeAndre Hopkins in front of his locker. And of course, he's been a longtime teammate of J.J. Watt, both Houston and here. And yeah, he he was like us. He was thinking J J had another season or two in him. We yeah, always thought J J was going to be one of those guys that you know just just do it till the wheels fall off. But I'm happy that that he he's going out the
3: way he's going out, finishing his career. Uh, you know, with all the accolades he has, uh, on
2: and off the field. Uh, you know, obviously championships are, are what we play for. But I think J J, uh, you know, he won he won a championship of life. That's well said. <laughs> That's well said. And look, Wolf, it's going to be a big void, is it not? I mean, just his level of play and the defensive line and then the leadership, which we have seen firsthand, all access behind the scenes with hard knocks. I mean, he's elite in both regards.
0: Yeah, Paulie, no, it really is. I mean, the tangible of J.J. Watt still going out. And playing football at a high level, playing that three technique, playing a five technique at a high level, going out, having nine and a half sacks, Paulie, is there any doubt right now that he's going to finish with double-digit sacks over the course of these next two games? I, I, I think that's a given right now, um, the way that he's playing. And you can tell he's, he's inspired, and yet he inspires so many guys around him. And that is the intangible that... I keep talking about it. The intangible we were talking about with Billy Price as well. Just the fact that this guy affects so many other guys around him. And I know what that's like, Paul. I know what that's like to some degree. I mean, I know that Kevin Mack, OJ Anderson, these are names that people really don't know. But I can tell you, when you were in the huddle with Kevin Mack for the Cleveland Browns, great running back, Jerome Bettis as well, and... You were OJ Anderson, you're in the huddle with these guys and you know that your job is to block for him. You have no idea what that would fill me with. And some of these offensive linemen as well, the way that they would come off the ball, be more intent. Um, yeah, does it speak to a weakness in us? Yeah, because you should do that every play regardless of whether Kevin Mack is running behind you or Otis Anderson is running behind you or J.J. Watt is lined up alongside you. Yet the harsh reality is that we're human beings and J.J. Watt inspires people around him.
2: I walked up to the corner of the locker room with some of the rookie defenders. Cam Thomas was there. My J. Sanders was there. Second-year guy, Vic Demukeji, was there. And I just said, hey, you guys tell me, what do you think you took away the most from this last year or two with J.J. Watt? And Cam Thomas said, and I think we heard some of this in Hard Knocks, you know what, do what you do best regardless of what the matchup is. Cater to your own game. And then both My Jay and Vic Demukeji said just how hard he goes all the time. There you go. During walkthroughs, they're in meetings he's always locked in always improving his craft and and that's what those young guys get from that by the way you can join the season ticket priority list and select your seats before the general public i mean the opponents next year include the cowboys the ravens the Bengals, the giants go to slash priority list for more info we continue with the big red rage second
1: and five now at the atlanta 42 they're going to keep it on the ground with james it's a flea flicker warner gonna throw deep near side going for Fitz. he's in double coverage it doesn't matter he caught it anyway touchdown cardinals you can't stop that guy
0: i'm the flea flicker wow what a play larry fitzgerald stabs the ball out of the
1: air
2: how about it out of the archives? Wolf, the 2008 wildcard playoff win against rookie quarterback Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. This series, it's crazy. The last 11 meetings in this series between the AZ and the ATL, the home team has won. That's the way this has gone. Wow. So we'll see about Sunday. Two games to go in the season. Cardinals on a five-game bender. Atlanta's lost four in a row. And we'll see. Look, both teams are saying the right things. Both teams appear to be playing hard. The Falcons have lost a lot of close games. Cardinals obviously went into overtime against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But just did zoom out these last two weeks, how much can be gained? How much should be gained by this Cardinals team that obviously is going to see a significant amount of change in the offseason? But, you know, James Conner was asked that question a couple of weeks ago, and his answer was, quote, some respect. But it does go beyond that, doesn't it? I mean, you do get a chance to evaluate a lot of different players, and it's going to factor into a lot of different decisions, if nothing else.
0: No doubt about it, Bully. You're going to get a ton of that right now. Over the course of these next two games, of course, it really is a situation. Do you want to be here? Well, if you want to be here, you know, go out and ball out, of course. Leave it onto the field. And this was something Vance Joseph was actually talking about on Hard Knocks. The last Hard Knocks that came out, he was talking about the fact, you know, we're watching guys on the backside of plays. That are dogging it. Why in the world would you be dogging it? What What does that tell us about you? Well, you know what? It probably tells them you don't want to be here. And if that is the case, you're not going to be here next year. It's Paulie. This is This is about being a pro. These next two games is about being a pro and going about your business as a pro. Which means you go out and you ball out because that's who you are. You take pride in your purpose pride in your job you go out and you ball out and that's what I expect to see out of a lot of these guys whether you want to be here or you want to go somewhere else man you got to put some stuff on tape that's
2: good all right because we're a full service show here the Big Red Rage or Jim O'Mahondro, fine producers some complimentary broadcasting here Wolf you cited that clip guess what it's ready to go here's Vance Joseph in the defensive meeting room
1: you've got two guys in Budabaker and J.J. Watt their best trait is effort The profile for NFL safety is not that. It's 5'11", 6 foot tall. It's 212 pounds. That's not that. But you can't measure his heart and his effort. I was in Houston with Dr. J.J. His effort and how he plays the game makes him J.J. That's why he Hall of Famer.
2: Vance Joseph, NFL Films, Hard Knocks on HBO. It's some powerful stuff right there. Just the looks on everyone's face when he's citing those two guys. Here's the thing, Wolf. They're going to be without Buda Baker against the Falcons on Sunday, and um, you know, look, Vance Joseph calls him the human eraser for good reason. He makes everyone look good, and if there are mistakes, there's Buda Baker a lot of times as a safety net. (laughs) What do you make of this Cardinals defense minus the only pro bowler on this team, Buda Baker?
0: Yeah, boy, this is going to be rough. It's going to be rough right now. I I have no idea what to expect, but I do know this. The Atlanta Falcons can run the ball. They do an excellent job of running the ball. Think about it. Their offense is number three and number four, and rushing yards per game and rushing yards per play. Think about that. That's what they can do right there. Tyler Algier, of course, is their running back. Paulie, this guy runs the ball in a very, very physical kind of way. And what's so fascinating about the Atlanta Falcons as well is all of the power personnel groups that they use. Paulie, think about this for a minute right here. 27% of the time, they're in 11 personnel. That, that is something that every NFL team is in for the most part. 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. But their number one personnel group is 12 personnel. They're in 12 personnel 30% of the time, which is two tight ends. They're in a power personnel group over 70% of the time. They're in a power personnel group in first and 10 and second and one to six, Paul. They run the football. That's what they do the best, and I think they're going to line up, and despite J.J. Watt having the great game that he did, get ready for J.J. Watt to have four more tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Right, Get ready for another J.J. Watt game like that because he's going to be given the opportunity because the Falcons run the ball.
2: Yeah, there's that old saying on defense, you stop the run and earn the right to rush the passer, right? That yeah. That's going to be this week. That's what Vance Joseph was telling the media, stopping the run is first, second, and third. And then you get the right to go after the rookie quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Interesting, he lost his first two starts, Desmond Ritter. This will be career start number three. He's a third-round rookie out of Cincinnati, longtime teammate of MyJ Sanders. In fact, MyJ Sanders has been given some info to Vance Joseph. That's what they were talking about today doesn't have a touchdown pass, doesn't have an interception in his two starts, and he's mobile. He's totally unlike Tom Brady. He will pull it and run it if necessary, so that's going to keep the Cardinals' defense honest. When it comes to stopping the run, it could be the quarterback as well.
0: Yeah, and you know what else is really interesting too? The defensive quarterback rating for the Arizona Cardinals over the last three games has been really, really good. As a matter of fact, they're number five in the National Football League in terms of their defensive quarterback rating. Now, you know me, Paulie. Passer rating to me is a big deal. At the end of the year, you look at who's in the top ten of the passer rating in the NFL, and year after year, guess what? The usual suspects are there. If you're a good, if you're a good football player, if you're a good human being playing the quarterback position in the nfl you're going to appear in that top 10 the same thing could be said for defensive quarterback rating the arizona cardinals number nine over their last three games number nine with a 79.0 defensive quarterback rating they've been playing better overall and yet you know the score hasn't always indicated that or maybe the schedule hasn't always yeah. indicated
2: that. The Falcons' number one receiver is top 10 pick, rookie Drake London out of USC. We'll see what the status is of I mean, Antonio Hamilton, Marco Wilson. They could be thin at corner again. And then you look at the Cardinals' ability, maybe, to run the ball in this one. You know, James Conner, he likes to look at the other team. And there's been a lot of accolades about the Atlanta running game. So what does that mean for the Cardinals? Because Baltimore last week ran for a buck 84. Yeah. And we know the Ravens specialize in that. And and look, we know it 17 degrees of kickoff in that game. Tyler Huntley only threw it 17 times. But I'm thinking Billy Price, our guest tonight, in that O-line, they're going to have a chance to establish the run.
0: That's a great point, Paul. It really is. I mean, this is what I think you're going to do. The Atlanta Falcons' defense has been the veritable Achilles heel for the Falcons all season long. They just have not played well. But... Especially the run, you know, number 24 in their rush defense and yards per game allowed. And I would suspect that the Arizona Cardinals are going to line up. And Billy Price was talking about this, this evolution over the last half of this season in particular, where they're starting to run that tackle zone, starting to run that wide zone is what he called it. The stretch play that everybody is, is running and has run. Uh, for the last decade, I would say, in the NFL. Now, all of a sudden, you're seeing a lot more of it here with the Arizona Cardinals. And that is something I'm really interested in seeing because that's where you put that quarterback, Paulie, under center. You put him under center, and Colt McCoy is very comfortable under center.
2: Look, I think it's also going to come down to red zone. Atlanta's been terrible in the red zone as an offense. They were 0-4 last week against the Ravens. The Cardinals, sort of like Atlanta, they've been moving the ball, but then they'll bog down in the red zone, and they'll have the self-inflicted. So who can be clean, who can execute in the red zone? We'll see. Uh, Cardinals have been much better on the road. We know that. And two games to go, Colt McCoy will be running things. And look, Colt McCoy could be the starting quarterback for a good stretch next season. So we'll see if he can get even some more confidence and see what they can glean from this Cardinals offense. Special thanks once again, Cardinals starting center Billy Price, Jim Omahundro, Cody Fincher, Ferran Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. Cardinals at Atlanta. That'll do it for this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert.